The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the O3C 2021 Review of the Year. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by the personification of how it feels to open a handwritten letter, Mr Minty Booth. Happy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the embodiment of no, we've got Chris Hemsworth at home, Mr. Chris Dow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not getting a sting from me. She's the laugh. <laughs> Announcement. Announcement. First of all, I'd like to reiterate a huge thank you to those that have listened to us over the last year, especially as we've gone from being a top 100 countdown podcast to what is hopefully an exciting evolution of a video gaming podcast and platform. Thank you to every single one of you that have listened, subscribed, engaged with us, given us donations and signed up for one of our Patreon tiers. We couldn't do it without you, and we are so excited to have you alongside us as we forge an even bigger and brighter future for ourselves in 2022. For all of our content, including our podcast, articles, videos, and details on how to support us, please head over to our website, o3c.games. So, what a year it's been! Another year blighted by the inconsistencies and fluctuations of a global pandemic and the hideous unreliability of governments the world over. <laughs> but we have found our constant through all of that, a way of keeping ourselves uh, from going fully insane, a way of keeping in touch and up to speed with each other, and a way of finding new pathways in our creative and productive brains. And that is video games. I know a lot of people have found solace in the moments of isolation in this past year through escapism in video games or coming together to play games as a community, and we're no exception. I've had many games that have brightened my days over the last 12 months, and I know the same is true of both of you as well. And we're going to start this episode by talking about what those gaming highlights have been for us in 2021, starting with Mr. Booth. Okay, cool. My first gaming highlight this year has been Ring Fit Adventure. Ah. I was furloughed for the start of 2021, and it absolutely fucked me mentally. Like, so much of my sense of self-worth is tied to my work and the idea of doing, and adding to that the fact that I just stopped exercising too because I didn't have a 10-mile cycle every day, and a couple of close family members dying, and you've got a really shitty springtime. So I figured, right, if I'm not going to get out and do exercise to try and make myself feel better i'll bring exercise indoors and also buy a video game to go with it so we ordered <laughs> ring fit adventure on a whim and it's been an absolute godsend our winter fitness regimen it's a great way to work towards a goal tied into keeping active like i've done the couch to 10k i've attempted to do the one punch man challenge to moderate success <laughs> but it's ring fit with the the vague narrative and the way that you can tailor your fitness arsenal to what you want to work out, what part of your body you want to focus on. That, uh, Yeah, that makes it a real winner for me. I'm not going to say too much about my second uh, highlight of the year, which has been just seeing everybody the world over loving The Binding of Isaac Repentance. <laughs> I'm a little late to the party because uh, it came out in March and I've only, I've only just got it on the Switch. But just seeing all my favourites on YouTube play this game, finding some new favourite people to watch as well, having a great time with it, 
really, really lovely. Playing through it myself, even better. It's a wonderful culmination of what what it must be, what, 10 years of work gone into this game to make it where it is today? It's a marvel. It really is. My last one is Bomb Club. Oh, yeah. Very close to my game of the year. I loved it so much I wrote an article about it. It's not quite my favourite, but I'd easily place it at number two. It's just a fantastic experience. Intuitive puzzles that never escalate into the realm of utter bullshit, even in the DLC master levels. That said, I can't really get my head around sleep bombs. They throw off what little rhythm I have. But like I said in my review last year, if you're listening to this, the one thing that blew me away was that it hit the sweet spot of being effortlessly enjoyable, immensely playable, and written in such a way that you want to continue playing. The gameplay being fun plays second fiddle to the fact that the cutscenes are just fantastic. I was up to way past my bedtime on holiday trying to figure out the best uh, level to cutscene ratio before I passed out. <laughs> fantastic game, highly recommended. Wishlist it on Steam, please. That's me, that's my three highlights. Superb. So for me, something you alluded to last week, Chris, in our Christmas special was the uh, your year in review things that uh, every company has been doing. And Nintendo did one charting your playtime on the Switch. And yeah. I think that that actually sums up my gaming highlights quite nicely because I've charted almost 500 hours on The Binding of Isaac. And Bloody hell. That, that's thanks <laughs> in part to my dedication to play through an 100% Afterbirth Plus in anticipation of getting repentance. And I charted a lot of that progress in my Inky Dunk video series on our YouTube channel. I had an incredible time playing through the game to absolute completion. I discovered so many new things about the game that I'd missed the first time and, you know, properly got my head around mechanics and characters that I'd left on the hard shoulder, like the Keeper and the Forgotten. And playing through Afterbirth Plus to completion was a wonderfully fulfilling and satisfying experience, but I was, just like you, Minty, I was phenomenally rewarded in the release of the Repentance DLC and... I mean, it more than doubles the content of the game. And crucially, though, it rebalances a lot of the elements that were just either unfair or just unfun in Afterbirth Plus. Mm. And it's it's the definitive Binding of Isaac experience. Like my stack of games to play has been sat growing like a mouldy ceiling whilst I've been <laughs> carving my way through repentance. And I, I'm, I'm getting a little antsy seeing all the games I want to play not be played. But every time I pick up my Switch, all I want to do is dive back into another Binding of Isaac run. So... Repentance is an enormous highlight for me in this last year because it's it's breathed fresh life into a game that I've, I've literally poured thousands of hours into and made me desperate to keep playing it. And it's quite remarkable. Elsewhere, still on the Switch and still in the realms of DLC, another highlight for similar reasons was the DLC and the 2.0 update for Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh. Another game that I poured hundreds of hours into in 2020 then successfully drew me back in for another 100-odd hours of new gameplay with a wonderful set of updates in the 2.0 patch, bringing in so many new features that made me want to refresh my island and explore all the new things that were now at my fingertips, like establishing new sources of commerce, like bringing in Brewster to open a cafe or help form the collaborative commune of business on Harv's Island, or exploring the new fauna and food to grow crops and make new recipes, taking captain's boat rides to explore new and exciting islands and start a gyroid collection. But then the real icing on the 
already exceedingly generous and delightful cake was the Happy Home Paradise DLC, which brings in the brilliant mechanics of the Happy Home Designer spin-off game from the 3DS and sees you take over management of an idyllic archipelago and fulfil the design whims of dozens of characters by customising full paradise vacation homes for them, utilising all of the incredible design and creation tools that were already in the game and about a billion new things as well. It was just the most satisfyingly creative process I've had in a video game. And, and even spanning into like my work, I'm, I work as a creative freelancer, I do that on a daily basis. Like what this DLC gave me, it just boiled it down to just pure creative essence. And it was just so easy and so wonderful, but yet so personal and accessible. Like I took great glee in personalising so many homes and environments and then using the, the new enhanced photography mode in the game to perfectly capture what I'd made and then share it with the world by either, you know, thrusting my switch into the face of my wife and saying, look what I did, did I do well, love me, or, you know, <laughs> through the less cloying means of simply sharing the screenshots on social media. It's just a brilliant experience that brought additional joy to a source of just already so much joy. The third most played game, according to my Nintendo Switch year in review, and also my third highlight, was Monster Hunter Rise. Now, it took me a lot of time and several decent attempts to get into the Monster Hunter series, but I was always put off by the sheer size and scope of the games. You know, a gameplay loop that I just found a bit slow and clunky, and what has been admitted by many as, you know, a very high bar to entry that I couldn't quite Fosbury flop over. <laughs> but I was assured that... Uh... <laughs> But I was assured that Monster Hunter Rise was the first game to really address a lot of these problems, making it the perfect entry point for newbies, whilst also having the benefits of the weight of a whole franchise's worth of lore to give it the depth once you'd acquainted yourself with its world and its mechanics. And, I mean, my goodness, my me, I'm so glad that I persisted with the game, and it actually didn't take that long before I was having an absolute whale of a time with it. There are so many elements in the game that are on offer to you right from the start. But the brilliant thing is you don't need to know about any of them to start having a good time and you can slowly start exploring those features once you find your feet and get more curious. The crucial thing for me was finding a weapon type I liked to really get sucked into the gameplay, into the gameplay loop. And once I'd done that, I was up. I was away. It, it took a while to get used to the fact that you couldn't lock on to your targets and that you had to study these monsters as animals rather than the game telling you what type they are and what moves would be super effective against them and where their weak spots are. And once you open yourself up to engaging with the game like that, then it's just so much fun. And there is, there's, I mean, there is a horrifying amount of content in there. <laughs> but a, a real joy for the game came from quite an unexpected place for me because I've been fairly vocal in the past about how I don't really like online multiplayer games and it, especially with people I don't know. But the way that Monster Hunter Rise is set up to allow you to easily and seamlessly find and drop in to online hunts that are happening is so good that it not only wasn't an unpleasant slog trying to check through those online-only missions, but it was an actively exciting and enjoyable part of the game. Like, yeah, inevitably you do find people on hunts who are woefully underqualified to be there, but I would take my time to remind myself that that was also me at one point. 
Yes, there are also colossal cunt wanks who just want to derail your missions, apparently. But to be honest, it's only on the high level missions that that starts being a problem. Uh, And those people are thankfully few and far between. And you can easily favourite people who are good that you liked playing with so you can link up with them for future hunts. All in all, I I, I happily ploughed dozens of hours into the game and I, I cannot wait to do that again when the big DLC comes out in 2022. I'd almost written the entire Monster Hunter series off but I'm so, so glad that it's finally got its hooks into me. And yeah, it's now another brilliant video game series that can become another source of joy for me. So yeah, those three highlights. How about you, Chris? I've got uh, two for this year and and they're less specific games than they are just kind of events and things. The first one, and I I do apologise that I'm going to sound like a broken record if anyone listens to the last run of shows in a back-to-back binge. Fucking Evercade, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) The the Evercade VS has got to be one of my gaming things of the year because it not only was a great piece of kit in its own right, but it also rejuvenated my interest in the brand overall. And and Blaze, the company behind the Evercade, has had such a strong end to 2021, like managing to pump out four collections of arcade releases alongside the console to strengthen their library immeasurably really you know they gave the handheld firmware a total overhaul that brought it much closer in line to the styling of the the vs home console with lots of added features bells and whistles and they've also teased some really exciting releases for next year as well but what what i didn't really anticipate myself doing as much as i have is using the handheld alongside the vs like a switch essentially because any save states or progress you make are stored on the cartridges themselves Mm. So there's nothing nothing to stop you completing a few levels of, of Boogerman on the TV, mm-hmm. taking a save state, popping out the cartridge, and then continuing on on the handheld. And it, and it just feels very cool. You know, it really modernizes these old retro games in a new way. And I know that retro gaming isn't for everyone, but I genuinely believe that the Evercade opens up what can either be a pricey hobby, if you're wanting legitimate carts for, for real hardware or, or discs, or what can be a frustrating hobby if you're unfamiliar with how emulators work. And it, and it just lets retro gaming be a thing that many more people can at least try out for not too much money. And, and I'm really excited to see more from Blaze in the new year, uh, you know, to see how these consoles develop. The other highlight is is a bittersweet one, really. And it's more a notable event than a highlight, I guess. And it's the last ever physical Vita releases were put up for sale in, in mid-December. Uh, and that marks the 10-year anniversary of the console's Japanese launch. So, you know, almost like a, a Bill Shakespeare uh, birth and death day. <laughs> that um you know because the machine uses weird proprietary not quite sd card cards there was always going to be a cutoff point for new releases because sony at some point would just say you know factories closed no more and they'd already shuttered the digital store midway through the year meaning that existing games can still be purchased on the handheld but publishers and developers were blocked from getting new titles on the machine and and physical carts themselves had ceased production a year or so ago but with that, savvy publishers like Limited Run, up until quite recently, and East Asia Soft, who have the title of essentially like final game releases, had basically stockpiled as many blank carts as possible so that when production lines ended, they could just drip feed out boutique releases as much as they could for as long as they could in small runs of you know 1,000, 2,000 copies until there were no carts left. And that's the position we're in now. And the quality of the last games, you know, it's been a mixed bag for a little while because the pool of what they can draw from is, has been ever reducing where, you know, for instance, the, the final two releases are Moose Man, which is a sort of story heavy puzzle platformer, which has reviewed quite well 
So, you know, I'd be keen to try that out. But also a visual novel called A Winter's Daydream, which is about a chap hanging out with his grandma who has inexplicably been morphed into a young woman. <laughs> so, you know, the, the highlight well, there we go. The highlight is not so much the games themselves, but the community that exists around the machine. Because the Vita ha- still has thousands of players and developers and publishers and commentators that all love the little thing as much as I did. You know, playing Freedom Wars recently... And picking away other titles here and there, it's just, it's such a shame that one of the big guns will likely never commit to an exclusive handheld again. You know, Microsoft are all in on cloud streaming via phone, so have no reason to explore a dedicated machine, really. The Switch is a portable, essentially, but for me, at least, it loses all its appeal if you don't have the dock as well. And Sony, you know, they they marched the Vita out the door years back and then just asked it to walk solemnly into the snow. You're hardly enough rations on its back to sustain it for the winter. <laughs> and and it's only endured because of those who owned it and loved it rather than its own mammy and pappy. <laughs> so, you know, this this new year, I'm raising a proverbial glass to the little handheld that could uh, and saying cheers for a decade of fun. Um, because it, it was genuinely quite sad to think, now that's that's the last time I can I can buy a game for this that's that's brand new. That's uh, that's done. So yeah, Paul went out for the Vita. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a nice little eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. And now a word from our sponsor. The O3C Podcast is part of the HyperX Podcast Network. HyperX is our sponsor and the maker of the acclaimed Quadcast and Quadcast S microphones. Quadcast USB mics look and sound amazing and they're packed with features. With four selectable polar patterns you'll get great sound no matter what you're recording. The included shock mount and pop filter mean you won't have to shell out extra cash for a great setup. Then there's the eye-catching LED indicator and tap-to-mute sensor, so you can tap in and tap out to stop broadcast accidents. It's time for you to tap in with the HyperX Quadcast and Quadcast S. So those are some of our highlights. Undoubtedly there are some games we haven't mentioned, but I'm sure we're going to do that now as we present to the table our nominations for the game of the year. Chris, would you like to go first and put forward some games for contention? Yes. My first nomination, Cruising Blast. Oh, yeah. Looking over the releases of the last year, I really didn't play a lot as it came out. And I was really racking my brains thinking, okay, what has come out in 2021 that I've played? And and this was one of the only ones that I was really excited for because I, I didn't play any of the big marquee releases like Metroid Dread because I felt I still had 30 Metroid games I wanted to finish before I even got to it. I didn't play any big PS5 releases like Returnal. Even the games I did play that felt new to me were in fact old. So Astro's Playroom, for example, felt very fresh when I got my PS5 back in March, April time, but it had been there since the machine's launch, and that was late 2020. One of the only bona fide 2021 games I did play, like I said, and consequently loved, was Cruising Blast. And I talked about this a lot when it came out, but it represented the return of an almost entirely dormant genre. And that was the balls to the wall arcade racer. Because, you know, other games capture some of the arcade feel or spirit or handling, but Cruising Blast went one further and aimed to make every moment of every race exciting. Because in an arcade, you have maybe a minute or two to give the player like a real punch in the gut to keep them going. And you've got to make them feel like their shiny quid was well spent. And when it came out, some people whinged about the home console port of the game lacking content. 
but the switch says I've played Cruising Blast for 15 hours and considering each track lasts no longer than two minutes I think I got my quid's worth <laughs> you know I'd say <laughs> the other day on the end of year school trip that I took my students on we went to a local bowling alley and they have a Cruising Blast cabinet there oh with with like the RGB LEDs yeah and even though I couldn't justify it's... leaving my party of students to go and flip a supercar over a dinosaur's head on that occasion that's a shame you can bet your own quid that I'm going to go back and, and experience it at some time <laughs> because it's, it's a really good. very good game good second nomination and this this is cheating a bit for this one I know but bear with me there's a 2018 release that I'm quite fond of that finally launched for the Switch this year okay Tetris Effect yeah <laughs> It's a great game. It's not quite the same experience on the Switch as it is in VR, even on a beautiful OLED screen, but it probably is a better game for being on the new platform. And I think on a technicality, you know, it it did come out this year, we can say. You could rank it on a list. I've said this a few times, but for the immersion that you lose in not playing in VR, you gain a different sort of razor sharp focus and response. And, And it's meant that my scores and gameplay have improved since playing the Switch port. Like I I didn't play Tetris Effect as much this year as I did when it first released on the PlayStation VR. But again, the Switch tells me I did play it for 20 plus hours the week I picked it up, (laughs) which alongside working a full-time job, I'd say is a pretty glowing endorsement for the new port. Not bad. So yeah, it's a a good game. Last one, bending the rules again here, because like I said, I didn't, didn't play many new games. If Cruising Blast released in 2021, Tetris Effect was ported in 2021, this game was played by me in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) So, The Outer Worlds may be the only game I put more than 50 hours into this year. And uh, I've been a scattergun player for years now, which means that I seldom really commit to one title. So maybe it was because of all the lockdowns and restrictions, early doors in 2021. Maybe it was because of the periods of self-isolation I had to endure around that time because of positive cases at work or, or isolating with Georgia. But the escapism and, and high-branching narrative that The Outer Worlds offered was exactly what I needed. Mm. And and even via the compromised switch port, I was totally hooked. It's a game pretty far outside of my regular wheelhouse. Like, I don't really play RPGs, whether they're Japanese-developed or Western-helmed. I don't really play narrative games. I don't really play long games. So to grab me like it did, it had to be doing something special at a time when I needed that something special. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I loved all the dialogue. I loved the not too tough combat. I loved all the side stories of my crew members. In terms of missions and side quests, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was about as close to 100% completion as you can be without following a guide. Wow. And, and if the DLC chapters had both been available for the Switch at the time of playing, I probably would have just romped through those straight away as well. But there was a delay in release that meant that, you know, when they did drop, I'd sort of had my fill by the time they appeared on the eShop. So, you know, maybe I'll go back one day to my monstrous character that Georgia designed called Captain Anaphylaxis. But who knows? You know, it just felt it would be disingenuous not to mention the game here that essentially I played more than most others in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Excellent uh, contenders there, albeit probably all totally ineligible. <laughs> Cruising Blast. Cruising Blast's a real one. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. For me, I, def- I definitely want to give a special shout out because I-, I pinned it as a game I was looking forward to in 2021 when we did our 2020 end of year special. It was a game that I got and then we dedicated a, a special episode to talking with the director of the game and that's Blue Fire. Oh, yeah. And I had such a wonderful time 
just being a fan of the game and being able to engage with it on the level that we did. And I'm still so grateful to uh, to Gabriel Rosa for giving us his time to talk with us about the game for that special episode. It was a great little peek behind the curtain and it's a game that really, really delivered for me. So it's a, that's a contender. That's a real contender. Unlike you, I did play a game that has been widely considered for game of the year on a current gen console which is Returnal. Yes, you and did. And that is absolutely incredible game. Too hard. Yeah. Though uh, <laughs> <laughs> two longer play sessions needed to break the back of it. They they've made us barely a concession to that now with a you can you can you can pause the game once. Can't <laughs> generous. But I mean it didn't stop me pouring a, dozens of hours into it and just it felt so so good to play i didn't finish it well i say i haven't finished it yet because i do still want to get back to it and beat it at some point and it's, it's a game that i i don't think i'll ever trade in because i just i love it and it, even if it is just to dip, dip into for a few runs get back into it explore the lore and the world just brilliant 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 game like it's the very very epitome of tight gameplay design Superb, superb stuff. But ultimately, I come back to the Switch, and there are three main games that came out in 2021 that I think are eligible for Game of the Year for me. First is one I've already mentioned, Monster Hunter Rise. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely brilliant. Like, it succeeds in being both a a brilliant entry point and the, the latest entry in an enormous franchise. Absolutely great. A real, well, not a surprise, but a game that I thought was going to disappoint given how much we'd asked for it and wanted it. And that's new Pokemon Snap. And that was such a delightful experience. It was everything I wanted, but not in the way that is slightly disappointing. It gave me everything I wanted from what I thought a new Pokemon Snap game would be. It was, it was perfect. Absolutely perfect. But the real big gun and I mean that literally, is Metroid Dread. (laughs) Metroid Dread, I mean, it was a surprise reveal that Nintendo were releasing a new 2D Metroid game. It was very, very welcome, given, uh, certainly by me, given I was one of the few people that actually played Samus Returns on the 3DS. (laughs) So I knew that, you know, those developers, they could make a bloody Metroid game. And yeah, it delivered in spades. I can't not give it a 10 out of 10 rating because it's that, that brilliant. But, it doesn't do anything drastically new for the series, but when the series is as good as it is and it just simply refines it and perfects it, you can't be angry. It is, yeah, an absolute, absolute masterpiece. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't I, I don't know which one I'm really championing. And also the big question is can we include DLC as eligible for this title? M- Minty, I'll hand it over to you. Well, Looking back over my Nintendo Switch year in review, just going by the numbers alone, then yes, it, it, it does have to be The Binding of Isaac, just because I've put in more hours into that game than my next two games, my silver and my bronze medals, as it were. One of those is Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth, which came out a couple of years ago, so we'll disregard that, even though it's it's really good fun. And like Chris is, uh, if I haven't played it, it's new to me. <laughs> I'd like it to get in on that kind of technicality. But looking at what else I've got, new Pokemon Snap, of course, was a gorgeous experience. Like being able to use a camera, uh, using motion controls, 
that was perfect for me. Um, it mm. features Cradley, my favorite Pokemon. <laughs> it's it's a 10 out of 10 game. Love it so much. It's fantastic. Just the breadth and the variety of Pokemon, the variety of habitats, and just the, mm, the roster, and just the look of these islands. Really, really beautiful stuff. So good. I'm hoping that there'll be some sort of... Um, Maybe not a new Pokemon, not new new Pokemon Snap, but maybe Pokemon are here, so you can just sort of watch them doing shit in their own uh, in, in, in their own time without you having to throw fruit and uh, weird balls at them. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. I did like Monster Hunter Stories too. Yeah, another another fantastic game. Another really good one. Very strong entry in the Monster Hunter franchise for sure. I think the simplistic RPG is making a comeback in these games, among some others that I'm going to be talking about, which I really like because so often there's there's the there's the temptation for these games to just devolve into just absolute farce with some of the mental stuff that they have you playing as fighting against uh, doing in the menus now i love a good um, i love a good complicated menu as much as the next person but considerably more than the next person oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so new pokemon snap monster hunter stories 2 i want to give a special mention to the remaster of quake oh yeah my first introduction to this absolute stalwart of the genre topped off with the brand new expansion Dimension of the Machine, which takes everything that uh, that the original game has established and ramps it up to 11. More enemies, more detail, just an incredible experience from start to finish. But my game that I want to put forward as my game of the year is responsible for a incredible spike around March, where my monthly gaming total went from about 40 hours up to 125 in March, and that's Bravely Default 2. Oh, of course. Yeah. Forgot it existed. Just forgot it existed. <laughs> Nintendo tells me I've played this game for 99 hours, and wow. to be honest, it wasn't really enough. What a wonderful game this was. Um, like I said, these uh, these these gorgeous, simplistic JRPGs are, look like they're coming back, and I welcome that. Yeah, it's feet firmly planted in the in the old school JRPGs, the job system, simple menuing, nice equipment, a lovely little story that takes you from hither to thither, getting elemental crystals and fighting <laughs> the, the, the big bad evil at the end whilst fixing the problems that are closer to home along the way. Characters that you love, characters that you can believe in, characters that you can laugh with and laugh at, characters you can roll your eyes at. Uh, it had it all. It was really, really wonderful. There was a character who was an artist that looked almost exactly like my wife. I it, This game had it all. It was fantastic. <laughs> I wish I'd included Metroid Dread, but I knew that you were going to talk about that, Jonathan, so I'm going to leave it there. Bravely Default 2 is my top pick, and then uh, Quake, Pokemon Snap, and Monster Hunter Stories 2 are my runners up well how do we make a decision <laughs> firstly put all my choices straight into the dustbin that's a given um, <laughs> yeah that's happened so that, that's easy that's, that's happened that's three out of contention straight away what games overlapped on our lists minty metroid dread new pokemon snap yes i'm happy to flip a coin uh, i don't think i have a coin <laughs> did you play either of those chris no for fuck's sake <laughs> okay i've seen the box of both well done it's interesting because both of those games, they don't reinvent the wheel, but they just do what has been done before so much better and so perfectly. Yes. 
if we're really saying that Binding of Isaac Repentance isn't eligible because it's not a new game, it's a piece of DLC. I, I say you should give it to Metroid Dread and have Isaac as a kind of honorary mention. It's the feeling I get from how you've both spoken about those games. I would say that's the fair way to do it. I would have no problem with that. That works for me. I'll put away this coin-shaped Burt's Bees hand salve that I found. (laughs) (laughs) So, there we go. If we're all in agreement, we can officially say that the O3C game of 2021 is Metroid Dread. Yeah, go on Dread. And I know it sounds trite, but I really do wish we could personally thank the people that make these games that bring us so much joy and expand and evolve our lives in so many wonderful ways so for anybody who's listening who's been involved in making any game thank you for doing so you're all right in my book before we finish let's have a little look forward to the year ahead and let's rattle off the games that we are most looking forward to chris what games are you looking forward to coming in 2022 i really struggled i had to look up a list of what was coming I'm, i feel like i'm so <laughs> disconnected from kind of the the launch schedule of things anymore but you know with some information in front of me in terms of sequels breath of the wild 2 and splatoon 3 if they hold their dates they're both likely to be fantastic so i'm sure i'll play both of those the new mario and rabbids game should be good fun if that launches oh, yeah, this year yeah, as well is the post-apocalyptic Kirby meant to be 2022? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm dead keen for that as well. I think that will hopefully scratch the Mario Odyssey itch mm. that has been left behind for a little while. I'm genuinely excited to play the delayed Advance Wars remake. Oh, yeah. You know, I was I was keen to pick that before it got pushed back. And, and I think that'll be something that's really special and will fit the Switch perfectly, whether it's docked or handheld. It's just a very, um, very approachable tactics game. So I'm looking forward to that. On a slight tangent for me, I am keen to play the Lego Star Wars Bonanza. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. stars some bloke doing some stuff in space. Yeah, the Skywalker saga. That's the one. And I know yeah. that's seen a fair few delays as well, and it's, it's been pushed back to 2022. I've not played a Lego game in earnest for some time, and whilst I've vicariously watched Georgia play through all of Lego Jurassic World and Lego The Incredibles in the last year or so, oh, fun. I've probably not knuckled down into one since the Harry Potter double pack when it released on the mm. PS4. So I have no particular fondness for Star Wars, as you can tell by the fact I don't know what any of the characters are called. But the amount of content included in this pack is likely to be quite insane. <laughs> and and as far as I know, 2020 was basically the first year on record since Traveller's Tales took the helm for the Lego games, where there hasn't been a new release tied to some media property. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm expecting pretty big things, even if the source material is a strong take it or leave it for me. In terms of making use of owning a PlayStation 5 as well, (laughs) if Gran Turismo 7 actually launches this coming year, I'd be up for giving that a go. Yeah. Because if you remember back in, I think it was in the summer, I played quite a bit of Gran Turismo 6 on the PS3, massively late, but I I really enjoyed it because it was... Was that the last time... Yeah, the the last numbered one. There wasn't a Gran Turismo game on the PS4? There was a Gran Turismo Sport, like a spin-off. Whatever. So yeah, like six, I I quite enjoyed. Like the UI and the progression had all been streamlined quite a bit since earlier earlier games in the franchise. And I I can't speak for sport that we just mentioned because I didn't play it. But if if seven retains some of that kind of softer wrapping that GT six had, mm. uh, while still keeping a bit of mechanical depth, obviously for the people that love wheels and brake pads and whatever fucking else you do with cars i think it'd be really fun as long as it is breezy enough for thickos like me to enjoy <laughs> and and stray i'll mention stray again because uh, running yeah. around as a cat seems like it could be fun 
That does sound fun. Minty, how about you? What games have uh, piqued your interest for the coming year? Well, obviously I'm looking forward to Pokemon Legends Arceus because year after year of uh, the same Pokemon game coming out has got me champing at the bit for anything that has a shred of anything that could be considered original, new and exciting. (laughs) And I want to get an Arceus on my Pokemon home. But that's out in, what, late January? So, you know, that's that's not very long to look forward to something. So let's disregard it as well as the uh, perennial wish list of Breath of the Wild 2, Metroid Prime 4 for me. (laughs) And um, Silk Song, so that everybody else on the planet can finally shut the fuck up about it every time there's a Nintendo (laughs) Direct. So here are some outlandish things that I'd love to see by the year's end. A Namco Tales collection on the Switch. We've already got Vesperia, so let's open it up. Let's get Fantasia, Legendia, Symphonia, Graces, and maybe even Berseria up on the eShop. Skip Tales of the Abyss, though. That was a convoluted mess of a game. Great characters, but utterly incomprehensible story. Baton Kytos, let's get the two games released in a collection. Make a new one. Fuck it. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a DS game in development years ago, which just sort of yeah. withered away and died, which is unacceptable. Like, finish making that, release them in a trilogy, and I will pay £500 for them. <laughs> <laughs> Make a big Bowser's Fury game. The concept works, and it's time for a massive Odyssey-sized game in that vein, I would say. There is inkling. Uh, uh-huh. there, there, are, there, are, there are inklings of a Mario Odyssey 2 um, mm. Which I imagine would go down, well, potentially go down that route, which would uh, would be fantastic. Yeah. Yes, but the one game that I am looking forward to is the iOS remake of Pharaoh that Dotemu are uh, going to be releasing next year. Oh yeah, uh, God, it's looking sounding great. <laughs> Slap a release date on it and tell me where to insert my card. I'm really looking forward to it. Pharaoh, fair play, fair play. So Pokemon Legends Arceus is coming in a few weeks. Can't wait. I am really looking forward to seeing what Kirby and the Forgotten Lands is like. I hope that it's really good. I worry that it's going to be mediocre. I still haven't got over just being very disappointed with Mario Golf. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm a little little hesitant. There is the Marvel game, Midnight Suns, coming out next year, which is like the XCOM-style Marvel game. I'm really intrigued as to that because I love an XCOM style game and um, I love Marvel so that could be great I would be very surprised if we saw God of War Ragnarok Hollow Knight Silk Song Metro Prime 4 Dead Space Remake Breath of the Wild 2 I'd actually be surprised if we saw any of those in 2022 <laughs> yeah <laughs> but sign me up for them as soon as I can but the the big thing I'm looking forward to is Elden Ring I just, I cannot wait. Just can't wait to see what From Software have done with this new, even opener, open world and the Souls-like gameplay. And I mean, I've been trying to avoid spoilers and content trailers and footage from the open open beta and stuff like that so that I can come in fresh to a lot of stuff, which I know is just going to be supremely awe-inspiring. But I do want to finish Demon Souls before I can. <laughs> I get it. So yeah, we'll see. I'll set that as a as a task for myself. But yeah, I think uh, I'll be up for anything anything new and surprising as well. And uh, we shall see. We shall see what we get. But my goodness, I can't wait to spend forty five percent of my entire playtime on my Switch playing Binding of Isaac: Repentance for another year. <laughs> <laughs> that that's what it was as a percentage of my playtime really? in twenty twenty one. 45% was spent playing Binding Jeez. of Isaac. <laughs> Jonathan. 
So there we go. Those are our gaming highlights from 2021, our excitement points for 2022, and officially Metroid Dread as our game of 2021. We can't wait to see what 2022 has in store for us, and we will keep you fully abreast at every stage on this here podcast. To keep up to date with what we're doing and to engage with us, you can find us on most social media platforms at O3C Games, or you can find all our details and so much more on our website, O3C dot games or you can reach out to us individually i'm on twitter at jonathan dunn i am at Chaz underscore hodges i'm clement underscore boo and next week we will be returning to our new format of our addenda to talk about <laughs> the next triptych of games that we are retroactively fitting into our top 100 lists another brilliant three games no doubt so please do join us then glad you did